everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm joined by a longtime friend who has really lived a different area of life and, and experienced a lot of different things than I have um, living abroad. And, you know, I, I call it more the gypsy or hippie life. Uh, that's maybe not the PC way of putting it, but, um, you know, she has a very different, unique perspective based on her experiences. And uh, at one point used to be very anti-hunting, guns, meat, and now has come full circle onto our uh, side where she, she she believes in hunting, believes in conservation. We shared a, you know an elk burger down down below stairs here uh, right before the podcast. And just to see her come full circle, I wanted to get that story. I wanted to get her perspective on both sides of the fence um, when she was in that mindset or had that perspective. I thought it would be a really valuable conversation to have. And uh, for, for folks that that are uh, on the other side of the fence than the folks that do hunt and eat meat and, and believe in what we believe in it's very important i believe to understand the opposite side to understand conflicting ideas conflicting interests and where are they coming from and where is the common ground if any and how do we bridge that gap i've made it a really big point on this podcast so far to try and be a good ambassador to be uh, to, to try and encourage people to bridge that gap and to carry themselves as they wish to be seen and this, this conversation is a great conversation that I believe should be happening more with people that have afflicting views. Um, but as you will see and hear, um, she now is pretty much pro-hunting and pro-eating meat and all that stuff. She's down to go hunting, and I am so honored to hopefully be able to help her through that process and help her out in that journey uh, into becoming an outdoorsman or an outdoors woman you know, uh, very soon. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Uh, Brittany is a, is a great friend, or Freya, or Rain Dancing Merchild, whatever you guys want to refer to her as. Uh, you know, she, has, she carries some great perspective, and she, hung, she hangs out with people that we really need to value their opinions because their opinions will will basically determine what our rights are as hunters and outdoorsmen um, because those people vote. They are passionate. They are excited about what they do. A lot of them are vegans. And uh, just understanding that earth side could definitely help you save your hunting rights in the future. So here you go, Rain Dancing Merchild. All right. Well, you ready to get started then? Yeah. Is it going to be weird if I take drinks of things? No. Okay. No. Like I said, you can edit pretty much anything out okay. of these things. I'll try to drink quietly. <laughs> Why don't you give me an intro though real quick? An intro? Yeah. Your elevator sales pitch of who you are. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, I have a question. Yes. <laughs> Should I introduce myself as Brittany or as Freya? Because I do go by Freya now. Well, it's let's uh, whatever you want. It's it is it is your it's my your life. Deal. Yeah, <laughs> it's whatever you want. Okay. Well, okay. So you grew up as Brittany. Yes. Birth name Brittany. Mm -hmm. um, through various dream states, synchronicities, affirmations through the years, it became abundantly clear that Freya. Mm -hmm. Um, was my name, so I made that transition. So I go by Freya Bagnario. Bagnario is my birth name. How how recent is Freya? Well, I would say <clears throat> for about the past six years, I have been getting various synchronicities around it. I didn't make the transition until um, a little over a year ago after I had this really incredibly powerful 
experience at the ocean where it was just me in the ocean and I was kind of getting this like download and hmm. there was a book involved that spoke to uh, you know shifting my name and and with all the with the way that things came through very um aligned I hmm. knew in that moment okay it's time this is like who I am yeah it feels far more resonant so what do you mean cuz I mean I when I'm out hunting and stuff just to kind of contrast to you like and and maybe I I'm on this ridge I'm waiting for the sun to come up yeah um is that kind of what you're talking about where you just like you're in that moment or what what exactly cuz I I feel like I I I'm not quite getting what you're getting when you when you talk about the ocean. Oh, oh man. I could <laughs> I could talk for hours about what, how I feel about the ocean. So, essentially, the way I feel with the ocean is incredibly multifaceted. Okay. And to try to put it succinctly, it is a relationship and a symbiotic relationship. So I feel like what I'm experiencing is direct information that mm -hmm. is being like embedded into my DNA. And it's like I'm having a communication with this powerful aspect of nature, which feels like a powerful aspect of myself being that I am, you know, made of water. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's and it's you know, it's a lot of things. It's meditative. It's playful. It's, it's healing. It's so healing. And it brings on, I would say, an, an immense amount of clarity. If I could, if I absolutely had to choose one word, I would say it brings clarity to my experience, whatever I might be experiencing. So clarity, um, what, what are you getting clarity with? Because I'm just trying to Really, I actually really, uh, really do want to understand exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it could, it, it has been so many things. Are you talking about with this specific experience or just, or just in general, like clarity, things? like, um, yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. Oh man. I would say perhaps if I've been feeling lost in life mm -hmm. or if I've been feeling like I've been in, de in a depressive state where maybe it's kind of, um, getting hard to want to be out of bed or if I'm feeling apathy or indifference, if I'm feeling lower and darker, um, my place to go is the ocean. Hmm. And for whatever reason, I end up feeling more clearly of, um, affirmation that I, it's, it's I'm on my purpose and I'm so needing to be alive and that I, it's it kind of revitalizes me and brings clarity mm. to my experience or if I'm having maybe even like a specific dynamic with another human that is challenging and maybe I'm feeling mad or angry and I'm projecting my anger onto this person and mm -hmm. I just go to the ocean it feels like the ocean kind of cleanses that okay. and helps me step out of projecting onto them my anger and helps me get clear on where the anger is actually stemming from maybe it's an abandonment abandonment wound maybe I'm being triggered because of you know something that actually happened in childhood but I'm taking it out on this person mm -hmm. so whatever the thing might be the ocean helps me gain clarity and it also helps totally me play that. I totally get that yeah that, that for me being in certain areas where I hunt that I get all that you know totally. like I get um like for when I was hunting in, in Namibia and I had just shot this this animal that wasn't even on my radar until I got there. And then I was watching them and then I stalked one. And then I was like, man, this is gonna be so hard. I'm like, after I found out how big of a challenge it was going to be, I was like, this is what I want to do right here. And so we went, 
we had a successful stock finally. Um, it, it, uh, it was our second stock, but I say finally because it was a really long stock. Um, and long story short, like after after it was over, I'm just sitting there and I just this like wave of emotion. And then there's thunderstorms off in the distance. You could see them um, wow. coming in. And, and I was like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. It's and I had I don't know. I, I just it was just really emotional for me at that point because mm-hmm. I'm like at that time. And I even think I posted it in an Instagram uh, story. I'm like at that time, like there's only been a few times in my life where I feel like I'm actually doing what I was supposed to be doing or living my dream. Like that, that was one of it. And to be aware of it as it was there, it just, it was a really powerful moment for me. Beautiful. It was really cool. That's profound. Yeah. So I get what you're saying about the ocean. Like I get it and it is healing. And you know, a lot of people who, uh, I was listening to podcast fighters would go swim in the ocean to get better from their wounds. Yeah. Cuts the salt. And that same thing. I think I get that from the wilderness and out in the woods, just as a, the ocean can you know, help with a cut, the woods can help with a cut too. Totally. Absolutely. Physical and metaphorical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the mental aspect of it, of unplugging, getting away from your phone, being out there. It just, I, I mean, it may sound like it's contrasting way different, but it's, I totally get what you're saying when you talk about the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the whole time you were talking about, I'm like, yeah, I understand that. Nice. I'm so glad that, yeah, you can resonate because I think it's so powerful for people to be able to have that outlet. Right. Well, we were talking about premonitions earlier and like I was on the total same wavelength. As soon as you said that, I was like, I know exactly what she's talking about. So good. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is legit. So, so speed me up. So now, um, you know, it, let's start from Brittany mm-hmm. and then I met you in high school. Yeah. I think. Did yeah. you go to Fremont? Yeah. Okay. So probably, we, we probably, probably knew probably. each other in Fremont. And then, um, after, right after high school, um, you and one of my brothers starts dating for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how you and I really actually got to know each other. Because we didn't really run in the same circles at, at high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fast forward to that because that's really after after you and my brother, I don't really know what happened. You kind of went sailing around the world. <laughs> yeah, you did all sorts of things. Travel. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, the traveling specifically. Well, you, you never used to be this connected with the ocean. Totally. Like you, you were more popular in high school. You were... Um, uh, extrovert, you know, very like, like to party, yeah. just <laughs> like me. I yeah. like to party. Um, yeah. still do just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like you went from that, that person to this person sitting in front of me now yeah. and they're two different people. So different. Yeah. Tell me how you got there. Oh, that's a good question. Mm. <laughs> I actually reflect on this kind of, um, often ish. Yeah. I... So actually, it's it's such a nuanced answer, but I'll start with saying that your family, like Mike and Terry and, you know, your brother Mm -hmm. are who helped me also like create a relationship with the ocean because we were going abandoned often and I grew up with the ocean. So it was inherently there. I always felt like a mermaid. I've always been in the water, Mm -hmm. but in my teenage years when I was experiencing more of like wanting to fit in and having this idea that I needed to be a certain person, I was losing sight of parts of myself. And so 
going to the ocean with your family is something Mm -hmm. that helped bring that back. Mm -hmm. And I would say one of the most significant differences in shifting from that girl that you, you know, met and knew years ago to who I am now was when I moved to Idaho and in moving to Idaho from Oregon, I was leaving all of my friends that I knew. I didn't know anybody over there. And so I was completely alone in an absolutely exquisitely beautiful place like Idaho, as you have seen, is mind-blowingly amazing and the the vast difference in the terrain of going you know in just short proximities you're going from one terrain to another and it's um it's beautiful and so being in that place alone without friends that I was mirroring it helped me reflect on who I was and what I wanted because prior to that time in my life I didn't have much of my own like self-esteem or my own kind of identity so to speak I was just kind of doing what was around me and I Mm -hmm. wasn't doing what my heart and soul wanted and so that was the biggest difference was moving away from all of my friends albeit I've had amazing friends and they are still my good friends Mm -hmm. um and so it wasn't any fault of their own you know they're incredible but I just needed to find my own self and so being alone helped that Going to Idaho. Yeah, being alone and being alone in such a beautiful place where I could go out and feel meditative and it felt like therapy to be outside. And Oregon is obviously gorgeous too. I just was always with friends if I was adventuring. Hmm. And so I found myself in a different way. So you said meditative. Do you actually meditate? (sighs) Yeah, sure. And I would say moving to Idaho was the first time that I intentionally meditated. Um by myself and I remember the first time I ever did it I was in a bath which mind you sidestep baths for me are one of my like kind of sanctuaries Hmm. and I think and I get a lot out of baths um, a lot of meditation and therapy Um, but I remember taking a bath and feeling so inclined to meditate and also play with my voice like (coughs) open up my throat and fluctuate my voice and do different like hums and ohms and noises which also activated kind of these different channels of my body and kind of thrust me into meditation Hmm. um and so while while i do meditate from time to time um i would say more often than anything else i just have experiences in my life that feel meditative like walking in the woods okay just that alone it's not like i'm necessarily thinking okay i'm gonna meditate but i'm gonna be present yeah. and that feels like a meditation for me okay because yeah, I'm, I'm a simple simple dude so when i like i hear meditation i always think of that dude crisscross applesauce mm-hmm. you know with the hand on the knees you know going home like yeah. to me that's meditating i'm like I don't understand what's going on there. And so when somebody that somebody that actually has meditated before, like I've always wanted to ask, I'm like, exactly. Is it just like really deep thoughts or? Oh, whoa. Okay. Meditation is really cool. Mm -hmm. And it can also be true. If you're talking about that form of meditation where you're going in really quietly and stilly, Mm -hmm. um, um, it's, it can be deep thoughts, but it can, it's so much, it's more expansive, expansive and transcendental, or at least it can be. It can be really simple as just paying attention to your body of like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm noticing my thoughts are going away. Let me bring them back. Or I can feel this pain in my body. What's that? And just kind of slowly bringing more attention and more presence. So that's a form of meditation. Hmm. And if you can kind of 
be in that space and get past that and bring enough stillness and quietness to that, then in my experience, there will be kind of like visions Hmm. or um, like almost transmissions that are coming through where I'm seeing like, you know, a huge tree in, Hmm. in a meadow with angel wings that are coming down and lights. And, you know, it it can be anything like there's so many different types of meditation and Hmm. so many infinite things that can come through during meditation. Interesting. I, you know, I, I don't pray a lot. I prayed, oh, five times in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it seems like when I actually legitimately pray, and I'm talking or talking to, to God, I guess. And I'm not super religious either, but I, you know, I do, every, you know, if some, if I need to talk through something, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. And it seems like I always get the answer through talking to myself really, you know yes, what I'm saying? I do. So I just, I've always wondered, like, I wonder if that's him giving me that answer or if, if I'm just working through my own problems here. Cause I'm not like super religious or anything, but I, you know, I grew up with the background and went to church and mm-hmm. all that stuff, went to Sunday school, all that stuff did um you know communion do all you know all that stuff and um and so when i do pray you know in the times that i do pray um most of the time it's asking for something but if i legitimately do get what i ask for i i do take the time to pray and that's um to you know of thank you know thanks hey thanks you know whether if it's you that did that thank you you know yeah. um i had to work my ass off to make it happen but if you help me get there you know thank you and uh so i i, I kind of understand but i also wonder like I don't know, just thinking through it or I just, I've always been really closed minded to, uh, to like meditating and stuff like that. But I think that actually praying and like talking to God like that, um, would probably be considered a form of meditation. Totally. Really? Okay. But I, I, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. If, if, if what I'm talking about is actually a form of meditation, absolutely, I do get an answer. You know, and I, you know, a lot of times I'm like, I'm probably just a dumbass. I probably could have thought of this on my own <clears throat> if I just talked to myself like I'm doing. Yeah. And and there's books on, um, you know, self-talk and stuff like that and talking through your problems. And I don't know. So I, hearing you, hearing you talk and, and, and stuff, I can totally contrast to my own experiences, everything that you're saying. They're just, I think you're, you're a little bit more accepting of it and mine i'm like i don't know what that is i'm just gonna sure. keep going this way but you're like no no no. let's stop and analyze this right it's a thing yeah you know this this means something yeah well, so self-inquiry specifically specifically asking ourselves questions is one of the most ha- powerful tools in our tool belt really 100 percent. in my experience i've noticed that when i quiet things down mm-hmm. and just take the time to ask myself a question and just be with what is not try to like cognizantly or intellectually answer it but just be with the question and just open it up as if i were speaking to god Mm -hmm. um or yeah in that communion with god um it i have had some of the most profound experiences for sure and that is absolutely a form of meditation yeah you know and and guys that are religious that have a lot of you know most most of the guys that listen to this i'm assuming are christians and because a lot of hunters are or they, they're they people of faith. Sure. And so I'm, I guarantee I'm going to get some messages after what I've said already in this episode. But um, so you're in Idaho. Yeah. Okay. And you're by yourself. What now? 
Oh, well, I just, I mean, I was starting to ask myself questions. I was doing just that. Really? I was asking myself, wait, what is it that I like? What do I want to do? And I just got this influx of inspiration. Mm -hmm. I There were various mediums of art that I wanted to do, various um, trades and skills that I wanted to acquire. Um, and And then just parts of myself began to flourish. And in that, I also began to trust in my body and in my intuition more and more. Mm -hmm. And so, which is what's led to so much traveling um, and wanting to see new places and trusting in the process of whatever is going to be will be essentially. And like, there is a point to where you want to, to have the tenacity to make something happen. But there's also an art to surrender, an mm. art to allowing the process to unfold because I don't need to know what it's going to look like. But if I trust in the moment to moment if i'm listening to my body of where do i want to go who do i want to speak with what do i want to do in these moments or you know like what feels aligned in mm -hmm. my body um then i can trust more in how things are going to unfold and still not know what it's going to look like and that has led to uh, so many different practices of art meeting some of the most amazing incredible inspiration people uh, inspirational people um you know, in forming a relationship with, with God in my own way, mm -hmm. um, traveling oh, th you know, only throughout the United States. I haven't traveled outside of the United States, but still trust really? seeing most of the United States. You, you sailed though quite a bit. I sailed from New York to Florida Holy and I lived sucks. on a sailboat for a while. Yeah. Yeah. In oh. Florida. And you had no sailing experience until then. No, I didn't have any sailing experience. <laughs> you know, like, hey, we're not just going to go, you know, across the river here. We're going to go across the continent, <laughs> actually around it. <laughs> just went went big on that. <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up, um, what's your background for hunting and eating meat and all that stuff? And where did you, from where you left me in Idaho, where I last knew you, mm -hmm. where was your mindset towards all that stuff? Okay, I'll try to remember that specifically. As far as growing up, um, I grew up eating meat. I grew up eating like hamburger helper and Kool-Aid, you know, okay. just cheap stuff, very processed, very cheap food. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't have any concept for even health or well-being um, until <laughs> until I watched what was that movie? Super Size Me. Oh. I don't know if you remember that one, oh, but they yeah. showed it in health class. So in like eleventh yeah. grade, I learned a little bit about health through this movie. Yeah. Can't eat a Big Mac every day. Yeah, right. I was like, whoa, <laughs> food informs my health. I had no idea. Like I literally did not know. Um, so that was my you know growing up experiences that I literally didn't know that eating ice cream was affecting my health. Really, like, that wasn't a concept. And which is so strange. Um, and my parents, yeah, weren't health conscious. And I lived with my grandma for a lot of growing up and she wasn't either. She's very like <laughs> Midwestern and lots of butter and bacon and totally potatoes. Yes, yep. absolutely. Lots of the yep. carbs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, probably around, I think it was 19 and 20 is when I really started delving into my health more and starting to do research and discovering more about health. Mm -hmm. And that's when I read this book that opened my eyes to the meat industry. Mm. And that's when I stopped eating meat because I was flat. 
just yeah I, instantaneously really i read this book and i was so mortified huh. and then through that you know eventually started watching like movies and documentaries and videos and seeing it also which was so you know scarring and so you know the meat industry specifically is what freaked me out and but prior to that you know go back to like high school when you and i met and i was very against hunting and things i yeah. just had this perception like that it was unnecessary and that was my perception but i mean i was eating meat every day <laughs> but yet i had this perception that it was wrong to go kill your own meat mm -hmm. so and i it, yeah i mean it was very contradictory <laughs> well most people don't they still have that mindset that don't hunt uh, but eat meat but don't like hunting they they still have that mindset but they don't connect those dots it's really weird like i don't i don't understand because those dots are so close together yeah you know but it's just such a leap for some people and and what actually so that what actually made you come back to that then because you you watch this or you watch movies and then you you read this or you read the book and then watch movies mm -hmm. and then you cut cut meat out cold turkey yeah pun intended yeah uh, meat dairy <laughs> anything Oh, dairy yeah, and everything. I was eating okay. a vegan diet. Really? Mm -hmm. How long did you do that for? Um, I think it was a matter of months. It was under a year that I was vegan. Like legit. Uh, yeah, totally vegan. I've gone through many phases where I have been, you know, eating a plant-based like vegan diet again, or mm -hmm. I've gone through a lot of phases where I have not eaten meat, you know, for larger chunks of time. Mm -hmm. Um. But that, like, that was my first stint um, hmm. was under a year of eating no meat, no dairy. Did you have any health things come out of that? At that time, what had happened noticeably actually was that I had the most energy and, and mental clarity that I had ever experienced. So at that point, it was doing me a lot of good. <laughs> I don't feel like it's sustainable for my body. Um, but I think that my body responded to it so well in at that time because it was the first time that I was eating healthy in general, mm. that I was actually eating a really well-rounded diet. I was, it was the first time I was cooking for myself. So I think it was kind of a culmination of things. I don't think it was necessarily just because I wasn't eating meat. plant or yeah, meat yeah. and, um, milk and stuff it was because of uh, i was you intaking know, so many veggies and i i think you're probably on to something there because I, I was thinking like it's probably the processed foods precisely you know Absolutely. processed meat all exactly. that stuff and it, and you know it's a pretty in the hunting industry a lot of guys they will throw another industry under the bus to justify our our hunting industry and a lot of times it's the meat industry which i hate doing um you know i hate seeing those videos where they they show you know the way the animals are treated i I just, it's hard mm -hmm. to watch those. It's really hard to watch those things. Yeah. Um, but a lot of guys will point to that saying, well, we're not doing that. Right. But then you're throwing a whole industry under the bus of people that are good people, ranchers and stuff like that, that the, yeah, these animals are, man, I mean, like I caught, I talked about a uh, chicken truck. I don't know if you've seen the chicken trucks going down yeah. the semis mm -hmm. and they're in, there's hundreds of chickens in these little coops. Yeah. It's like, man, you know, like that sucks. It's very yeah. sad. And it it's makes it hard to eat chicken. Totally. It does. Yeah. It does. It does. And so those videos, they do. I mean, even, even guys that I know, including myself, you watch that. It's, it's really hard to buy a hamburger. Oh yeah. But it makes it really easy for me to reach in my freezer and grab an elk burger. Definitely. You know, but I just, I don't like that argument for us 
because I don't like throwing under industries under the bus. Sure. You know, if you can't run off of your own merits, then don't run. Well, and furthermore, there are so many other things. Like if I go to Trader Joe's and I'm buying an organic, you know, uh, grocery spread in the Mm -hmm. produce section, if I'm buying a bunch of organic vegetables and fruits. Right. Who are the people that are farming these? Are they in slave labor? Are they, you know, trafficked? for their labor do i know exactly where my fruits and vegetables are coming from (laughs) you know it's like it's a real thing there's so much human trafficking that's occurring um specifically in like the grocery industry so a lot of these farms and a lot of these packaging plants are not treating humans they're they're being treated as subhuman for like very poorly treated so that in and of itself is very inhumane so it's getting really tricky to to advocate because it's like well we want to you know and it's blatantly clear that these animals are treated so grossly like they do not need to be slaughtered in the way that they're slaughtered plain and simple um but yeah it's like where where do we draw the line because we still have humans that are farming all of our food that where many of these you know cooperations are not treating them my thing is and to expand on that my thing is is like okay so you and i agree i mean i don't i wish we could find a better way to to get our processed meat i I wish there's a better process to where the animals can be treated better i agree with that yeah i hate seeing those videos but at the same time you know for the folks that are vegan they're they're legit vegan or uh you know they just they don't do, do any of that stuff and they just plants and stuff like that um you know how many bugs birds rabbits rodents are dying because of all the process of getting those plants to the store you know like i mean you have to till the ground bugs are dying worms are dying where do you draw the line what what animals matter and what don't you know and that it's just a really slippery slope from so i don't see their argument on that but it seems like the bigger the animal the more it matters it's really weird because a cow is way different than a worm we use them for fishing right no one, you know, vegans, a lot of vegans don't like fishing. Like uh, PETA, PETA hates fishing, um, but they don't care about the worm that you're using. Right. It's really weird. It's really, I just don't right. understand that. There's it's a like, lot of irony. They, well, it, there is. There's like the quinoa really blew up in the, you know, health food scene mm-hmm. and, and especially in like the vegan vegetarian scene because mm-hmm. it has like the protein and so on and so forth. Um but then what's happening to where quinoa is native to the people that grew, you know, that's been native in their country for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and not thousands of years mm-hmm. can't even afford quinoa anymore because mm-hmm. we are put a value on it. Exactly. So it's, it is, it's so tricky to find where the advocacy is, what matters and where we can draw our lines, what clothes we're wearing, what are our clothes made of, who's making our clothes, you know, what are the products that we're using? It's, it's affecting everything. And so while I'm such an ad, like, while I care so much about these animals, Mm -hmm. it's, it's also like, it's affecting everything. We live in this really peculiar world where everything is affected. Well, it seems like to me, just listening to you talk here, that you've kind of, like, you still have a deep care for the animals, but you're more of a humanitarian now. You care more about the people and the process. Yeah, I'm trying to look at it more holistically. And as far as eating meat and whatnot is concerned, I personally do my best to eat more of um, meat where I know exactly where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, 
a, a good percentage of the time and there are times where I will eat processed meat you know certainly um but for for me I I almost can feel it I think that there's something to be said about the way that an animal is dying if it's deeply traumatized then that is held in the cells it's held in its DNA and then we are eating that trauma and um, there's a lot of research around um, that type of transfer of really? like eating trauma. And so we're putting that into our bodies that is then becoming our cells. And, um, and so I noticed the difference like between eating, you know, some like somebody that killed an elk mm-hmm. between, um, you know, having like a straight up factory farmed processed, non-organic, non-grass fed meal. Like the difference. I've is never heard of that before. Very. I didn't, I didn't know that was even a study mm-hmm. or anything yeah. like that. I'd be interested in reading more about that because uh, I, you know, the validity behind it, I have no idea. I mean, I, I believe, I mean. Knowing what I know now, I would. It, I'm really open-minded to stuff, you know. Like I never used to be as open-minded as I am to stuff, but I believe, you know, it's prove it wrong. I mean, how how would you yeah, prove that wrong? Totally. I mean, but you know, this this elk we had tonight because I I cooked um, for the folks that obviously weren't here. Um, cooked elk burgers, and pre- I I don't know how many times I've cooked elk burgers before a podcast, but um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's good. Oh yeah. And that bull had, um, an arrow just like the one behind you there, zip right through it nice. and it was dead in 45 seconds and yeah. it didn't know what happened. It just went to sleep. Right. You know, tipped over on its feet. And Maybe. feeding, like going through the process of like nurturance for other, you know, others like cycles of life. Yeah. So not only that quickness, but like the reverence that you have for this, this, this situation, you're going out into nature, you're getting mm-hmm. to be in this place that you love, that you feel is healing for you. And then you're having this like almost relationship with your yeah. food that you're then consuming and fueling your body with you're fueling your body with this animal that you found in a place that you love. Like that's, I think, such an honorable process. You know, listening to you say that, I sound like I killed a, a million things this year. I I hunted a deer. <laughs> and, um, I had a good year this year. Um, that's great. Which is, yeah, you know, it's super fantastic. I mean, I, like I said, I'll show you the freezer here later. But um, me and Kim went over and we went scouting for mule deer over by Lakeview, and I found this big, beautiful buck, just gorgeous. And exactly what I wanted. I mean, he, he was everything. He was bigger bodied, older, just a beautiful buck. Mm-hmm. And so I went back over there and, uh, the buck that I killed this year, I thought was him. I was like, I got him, you know, like I, as soon as I shot him and I saw him go down, I told, I looked back to Mitch, uh, Dixon yeah. my partner. I'm like, dude, I got him. I got him. That's the one I wanted. And like, we're just so pumped. I'm so jacked. And I just like, just sat there and just caught my breath and like calm down, you know? And, and then when I walked up to him, it wasn't him. And I'm like, I was heartbroken. You know, the one I, I got was a lot smaller, but mm-hmm. that wasn't the, that wasn't it. Like the one I wanted was, was much bigger, um, body wise and horn wise. But I like, I felt connected to that one. Like I wanted that one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it was a challenge to go out there. It upped the challenge. Uh, I was, I had an increase of opportunity or an increase that I was going to come home empty handed going after that deer, you know, and I don't know. It's just, 
when you when you talk about having a relationship with the, with the animal out there, that one I really did. Like I I looked at his picture all the time on my phone. Nice. You know, like I don't know. I showed everybody. I'm like, that's you know, like here's where he was. Look at the background. You know, it's it's. I can show you on my phone. So I still have it on my phone. But just being connected, like a lot of these guys. You ever heard of a trail cam? A trail cam. Yeah. A lot of these guys know exactly what deer they're going to shoot before they shoot yeah. it, and they they watch it for months that's really neat yeah see that's so cool and it's a challenge it is a such a hard challenge and then being able to actually not shoot the other ones that come up Mm -hmm. and have enough self-discipline to shoot that one um, target animal whatever it may be man i mean it 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 is a real it it adds a whole different dynamic to to hunting you know and a lot of folks because i've switched into what a lot of people would call trophy hunting um which i i hate that term I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a negative term for hunters, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, I've, I've switched over into the more trophy hunting um, for deer anyways. And it's because I'm getting a whole different experience than going out and killing a young one. Right. I mean, it's just it's just different. And that sounds really blunt. I know that somebody that doesn't hunt like it sounds sounds blunt. Um, but you, when you're going out and you're killing, you know, a two year old, you know, it's the first year it's a legal buck or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're not getting the same experience as you are killing a buck that's really smart, educated, old, been around for a few years. He knows, sure. he knows what's going on, knows the game. I mean, it's, 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 it's a complete, it's like hunting a completely different animal. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, Not it surprised. is. And I, I don't know. I just, it, it increases the odds that I'm going to go home empty handed, which I like. Sure. It's, it's, it's more of a challenge. It's so much. Yeah. the meat's fantastic. You get more of it because it's typically a bigger animal, mm-hmm. but. It's so multifaceted that, you know, I, I don't even know how to describe it. And I'm probably not not articulating it. No, I think you're articulating good it great. Enough. You think? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Definitely can feel. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. is. It's, a, I don't know. I, I made that switch a few years ago because back when you knew me um, in high school, where we caught a shooting that bird out the back porch. Oh, my God. Um, I thought about You know, you should have ripped us a new so one. So that was annoying. <laughs> you know, you were, I would say, I would actually say you were in the right on that Thanks. one. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> it only took like 10 years, 15 years to admit it, or 10 years or however. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, we were shooting a bird and we didn't plan on it. It was a blue jay or a robin mm-hmm. or something like that. And I can't stand blue jays. They're just squawk <laughs> totally. at you. Um, so my solution is killing it, you know, <laughs> me and Dustin and, and, you know, and I agree with that, you know, if you're not going to eat it, you know, for the most part, if it's, if it's not serving a purpose, probably should just let it go. That's how I feel. You know? And I mean, I don't hunt while I, and I would love to at some point so that I can kind of, what's the term, put my money where my mouth is yeah. and actually, I mean, gosh, I've been eating meat all these years. Um, and actually having my own process with it and my own journey and honoring mm-hmm. it in a different way. Um, it, so I, it's not like I can judge it too harshly regardless. Right. Also though, I agree with you. I feel like unless you're going to be using parts of it for, you know, like aligned use, then mm-hmm. why, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't personally love the idea of people going out and killing it and being like, look at this gigantic animal. I'm going to do <laughs> nothing with it, but it's right. big. What do you, where, where do you stand? Cause I want to, um, cause you, I, your opinion is so valuable to me cause you were Thank such you. on the opposite side of the fence. It's just, I, knowing where you are now, it's like, man, I can't believe we're having this conversation, but oh, that um, means a lot to me. No, no, I'm serious. And I was excited to get you on. And so where do you stand? Um, well, first of all, the, the hunting or the, uh, the, 
meat videos in that book. That's mm-hmm. what switched you into. Yes. That's what did it. Mm-hmm. Really? 100%. Huh. Yes. Nothing else. It was the book. The it book. was. What it, book are we talking about? It, <laughs> you don't want to say. No. You keep I keep saying the book. The book. It was cool because it's a silly name. It was called Skinny Bitch. <laughs> and I don't remember the authors. <laughs> I'm sure somebody can find that. But book yeah, it's what. so easy to find. It's a, it's a pretty uh, popular one. But did, yeah, that was the book that did it for me. Because it, it was the first time that I had become aware of the things that were happening in the meat industry of. So, yeah, there's documentaries on Netflix now. People can go see, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like tossing. You know, like I said, if you can't run on your own merits, then don't, sure. don't run. Um, but the documentaries, I mean, it really is unflattering. Mm-hmm. It really is, yeah. and I can, I get it. You know, like I, yeah. right. Not to mention the gas emissions. There's so many things. So while I can't just demonize it, because how do we get away from it? I think that we need to collectively somehow work towards a better solution mm-hmm. and put our, you know, consumption in better um, directions. Because if enough of us are consuming less of this thing that they're mass producing, then they're going to do it differently. That's a huge bite to, 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 like, to take off because that would mean so much of us needing to sim- you know, simultaneously, collectively be shifting. But So you're, you're wanting to shift the um, consumption of those animals to something else? <sighs> I don't know what I want. (laughs) I want it to be done differently and I don't know how that is. (laughs) It's a tough one because, you know, like I said, there's a lot of great people in the meat industry and, you know, bless their heart. But, I mean, these videos really don't do them any any service, you know. And there's bad hunting videos. There's bad where you just see guys being idiots out. And I hate that. And I preach against it on Mm -hmm. on the podcast a lot. But, um, you know, so... So now we have you from where that right there made you a pro hunter, pro organic meat or. So are you asking like where it shifted? Yeah. That's like back the to book, the book. Oh, so the book that shifted me back. Is that what you mean? Yeah, towards our. Okay. Our I end. got it. So to back up, I misunderstood. Skinny bitch is the one that made me like anti um, meat. Anti meat. For the first time. Where I was always, like I was always anti hunting growing up, and then I was anti meat for a while. So plus anti hunting, plus anti hunting. Okay. And then when I started coming back around, was probably um, also again when I moved to Idaho. So um, you know, around I was twenty three or so when I moved to Idaho, or twenty four, twenty four probably, and that's when I just started. Th- I don't know, just thinking differently. Mm. It's hard to even really pinpoint where I started shifting my thinking, but I just started thinking of like, oh, well, there's this angle and this angle, and how can I be up in arms when I am a consumer, when I am doing these things? Because that's, I was being very hypocritical, essentially. Um, And And so I think I was just doing a lot of self-reflection and also realizing like, oh yeah, if you're going to eat meat, why not have it in this really holistic, you know, experience and journey where you're going out and you're doing it yourself. And it's such a more honoring process to the animal, to yourself, to the land that we're walking upon, Mm -hmm. like all around, it felt like there was so much honor and credence involved. And so I think just reflecting on that around the age of like 23, 24, 
Um, and, and then doing more research also in seeing how it's, you know, bone broth and, and like feeding our marrow and, and really creating mm-hmm. more collagen and how much like omegas are in these various like fish and stuff yeah, fish oil. and, yeah. and how much that is really f- just like feeds our, our brain and fuels our brain and, um, iron and like all of these various proteins and minerals and mm-hmm. vitamins that are found in meat and that can be found other places but are so richly found in um animal products in right. animal fat so it sounds because I'm, I'm also wanting to maybe get a little bit more full uh, perspective on it. it sounds like it, let me ask you this if the animals were dying humanely mm-hmm. in the meat processing industry mm-hmm. would it be a problem mm. Okay, if that's could, a good question. Yeah. Because mm. it sounds like the way the animal dies is where you, you have or had the hiccup, basically. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's tricky because on one hand, there are the gas emissions that are just killing our planet. So I think that, I mean, and this is just my perspective, but I'll share it. I think that as a world, we consume too much meat we think we need to consume so much meat and so it's just mass produced and so ideally if i had this like ideal world for how many billions of humans are on this planet i would like to see less meat produced more mindfully produced more humanely and also the dairy industry too like with the eggs and the milk um and the you know and all the things that go along with that like the cheeses Mm -hmm. and the yogurts and all of that um because the way that you know cows are repeatedly in you know injected and then Mm -hmm. have their calves ripped away from them and Mm -hmm. it's it's like all of it is is really sad okay so So it's more the whole process but also the way the animal um pretty much the whole process yeah definitely like the whole process and how they're living like like you said they're living in these small cages Mm -hmm. so like this animal that lives in fear and so we are eating fear and trauma Mm -hmm. and so it's like not only is it sad for beings of our planet to be experiencing so much fear and trauma Mm -hmm. in throughout their lives but then we're eating that it's just this perpetual cycle and so it's fear feeding fear and that's literal i think and metaphysical and metaphorical i think that on so many levels energetically emotionally we are like fear eating fear eating fear Mm -hmm. and it's this perpetual cycle that that informs every aspect of life it informs our emotions it informs our relationships um and the way that we navigate this world is like fear eating, fear eating, fear, which is why I think everything is so atrocious. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it, I could, that's a really unique perspective. I've never heard that, that kind of perspective before. I like, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, cool. I mean, it, it's just, uh, I mean, I've never grown up hearing this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, so I love hearing different perspectives and stuff, yeah. you know, and I'll, I'll take bits and pieces of what I like, or maybe not what I like or what I agree with, or things that actually challenge my beliefs and stuff like that. And I think hearing these kind of things are, are great. I mean, I really do. So, um, but let's, let's move on here. So now you're pro hunting. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you do it with a bow? Cause I know you have a bow. I would love to, that would be my ideal. But you would do it with a gun too, or? Yeah. Yeah, I would. 
Sure. We're going to have to get you out in the woods is what I we're going to have to do. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. I would love. I, yeah. I mean, I feel like after all this time, it would only be appropriate for me to go with you and Mike. Like, <laughs> that would make my dad's I couldn't go, year. <laughs> I literally couldn't go with anybody else. It's like my first time, especially. Yeah. yeah I, he oh, would, we, we, we get you one. Uh, we took Kim out a few times this year. She's, uh, she, she likes to kill the bigger ones because um, – I don't, I don't, I talked to her about this the other day. She's like, you got it wrong. She's like, I, <laughs> uh, she's like, I, I, I spoke earlier. So I have to make a correction to everybody that listens to this thing that she doesn't shoot the big ones because she feels bad for the little ones. Cute. It's because, um, I, I actually, I couldn't even describe it. <laughs> I, I, she told me and now I'm, now I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to hear her philosophy. Yeah. You know, it, if she can't see the horns. Uh, she won't shoot it, which is a good practice. You know, yeah. even if I tell her, hey, that's a buck, shoot it. She won't shoot it unless she can see the horns. Well, blacktail, when you're shooting them 500 yards away, it's got to be a pretty darn good sized buck to see the horns that far away. Yeah. So by that standard, you're shooting a <laughs> she's shooting big bucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but it's not because she feels really, really, really bad for the little ones. Because <laughs> I told her, I'm like, you know, she's like, let's work out a system to where when we're seeing deer, if you tell me it's a three or better, I'll shoot it. If it's not, you know, out of a five, I'll shoot it if it's a three or better, not a two. And so we found a bunch, like, we found three, two to two and a halfs. Okay. <laughs> but no, no, what she would call threes. And then, so I showed her, I'm like, here's what a three would be like, in my opinion. Yeah. And we're talking about the size of the buck and everything. And it was, it was, it was just really fun just getting that whole different, I don't know, it's just fun hunting with different people to gain different experiences and different perspectives. Oh, yeah. And, and being a part of the whole process um, I think her favorite part is actually the skinning, watching it being, yeah. um, interesting. I'm not going to say gutted, but like seeing how all the body parts and the muscles connect to sure. what bone and stuff, it's really cool. Or what cut will make this steak? I, I totally. think that's really cool. I think it's yeah. important for us, you know, as individuals to be able to be more connected with the process because then it's not just something that's happening mm -hmm. it, that we're not aware of. And then we're consuming this, like uh, this being, it's something that we're invested in and we, and we do get to see like, oh, this is that part. It's not just yeah. like, you know, a triangular piece of meat that I'm picking up in the grocery store. I know what part of the body it came from and I'm seeing the way that it was functioning with its uh, the other muscles and yeah. organs. And, um, you know, I think that being more connected, it, it really creates like more of a synergy hmm. with earth, with planet earth, which I think is so important in and of it's like one of the most important things in general is to be like more connected to this earth that we're on. So basically being a part of the actual food chain. Yeah. I guess. And totally. for lack of better right. words on my end. And absolutely. Um, not just being this entitled, yeah. uh, uh, you know, assumative party of like, I am so good and above the food chain that I'm just going to like go and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like we are. So, you know, I think as a collective human race, we're very entitled um, we want what we want when we want it, right. how we want it. And we're so used to that instant gratification that we do forget that, yeah, we're a part of the food chain and we forget that like this earth is providing us with exactly what we need. Mm -hmm. Let's give it gratitude. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like a lot of folks, um, they forget that, you know, we are a part of the food chain. Yeah. Like, I mean, guys, have been bears have been a problem this year some guys have been killed by them and 
you know, if you go out and swim in the ocean, you just introduced yourself to that food chain. Right. You know, like it's like, man, it's like I have a really hard time swimming in the ocean. I just, I can't even this far North, we still get sure. great whites. Yeah. Every once in a while, you'll see somebody have a sighting or we've had a few people attacked. Yeah. By one. And we were fishing down a gold beach one time and I was, I was 12 probably about then. And you know, the gold beach bridge that goes across the bay there. Mm-hmm. We're fishing pretty much just below that. And, um, there's a bunch of big seals, but anyways, um, we're trolling and I look down and my dad out of the North river and I look down and I see this, it had to be eight to 10 feet. And it was huge. It was like, I've never seen anything in the water that big in my life. And then it turned and it had a white belly. I'm like, that is, and then I saw the fins and everything. And I'm like, that's a freaking great white shark. Was it? I swear to God, it, I wow. never saw it again. And I'm like, that's I'm so also cool. 12, you know, and there's big ass sea lions around there. And, and it could have been sure. just, it could have been that. That's neat, I discredit myself because I'm like, man, that would be so crazy if that was. I still think it was to this day, but I, I can very easily discredit myself. But it was the craziest thing I think I've ever seen fishing in my life. That oh, was yeah. it. I swear to God, it was a huge, I don't know what a huge, but to me, it was huge. Eight, yeah. eight foot. To me, that's giant. That is giant. Yeah, and it, I mean, it looked it looked every bit of eight hundred to a thousand pounds. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it was bigger than any sea lion I've ever seen. I mean, wow. it, was, it was giant. Yeah, and I think I told my dad and everything. I started freaking. I'm like, "There's a shark right there," you know, like twelve year old, shut up. Yeah, you know. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, swimming and I've swam in some of the shark capitals of the world. Have you really? Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, on your sailing trip. Yeah, um, gosh, in the middle of the ocean, like, you know, 50 feet offshore and mm. getting into the waters down there because Florida is a prevalent because uh, we were in Florida, um, uh, in maybe North Carolina at the time. Um, uh, and, and yeah, that area is very prevalent for shark sightings and mm. especially being that far out. And then Southern California, where I was living for a few months, not too long ago. Really? And some of the, like, I think the most, one of the most prevalent places in the United States was literally the beach, like literally the beaches that I was swimming at, mm. like Moonlight Beach and Solana or something were some of the more um, really frequent shark sighting or huh. shark attack places in the United States. So, so tell me, I want to know how you got from the, cause you saw, you, you saw the book or you, you read the book, you saw the DVDs while you're in Idaho, right? Oh, are you talking about what, what exactly? I'm, I'm wanting to know how you got, I guess I want to continue more down the, the timeline now. Yeah. Cause you saw the movies, you read the book and you're still a Brittany. I knew in high school yeah. at that time. Yeah. Now, how did you start getting to the more in touch with nature and, and, and all that stuff, the, the Freya and all that stuff? Um, I mean, I think again, just being in Idaho in, in general and, um, I, it's like, I, I kind of shifted gears once I moved Mm -hmm. and I didn't have many friends for the first few months of me living in Idaho and I kind of specifically didn't try to go make friends I was for the first time so comfortable being by myself because anytime prior to that in my life I wasn't the type of person that would spend alone time I always either 
filled up my time completely or was like maybe watching friends or something like yeah. I was always occupying my mind. So in this time frame, I was spending quiet time by myself in nature. Um, my grandma lives where she lives in Idaho now is like just on the outskirts of being in the country. Hmm. So I just drive a couple minutes out and I'm amongst this beautiful country land and these canyons and these lakes. And so I would go out by myself and I would just be with it and I would hike around by myself mm -hmm. and um, just communing with nature and really observing the plants and the animals and the trees in ways that I hadn't before. And so um, I would say learning the art of presence helped hmm. me become more in attuned with nature and appreciative of our natural world hmm. so yeah being present and just being like where i was rather than trying to occupy my mind with things of the past or worries of the future that makes sense i want to know i want to know how you got into from right there into the dream stuff and the fire dancing like I still don't understand how you got there. It's so much. <laughs> it's so much. Because, I mean, once I started um, just becoming more of myself, then that started opening me up to more situations, events, people that were aligning with similar values and similar interests so then I was opened up to this whole world of like oh this person knows woodworking and I want to learn woodworking and this person knows fire dancing hmm. and I didn't ever think that I would fire dance in my whole life but this person that I'm hanging out with that's becoming my sweetheart my beloved he's an incredible fire dancer and I realized how much I was actually very interested in it and how that was a place of again, like meditation, it was a form of therapy and medicine for me to be on fire mm -hmm. and getting lost in that world. And in when you're on fire, when you're fire dancing, it's like all you can hear is the fire. And you just, mm -hmm. I, I was enveloped and intoxicated by that space. And so I was essentially looking for similar evocations and similar feelings to that space of being consumed and being so hyper present with what was right there and so sometimes that was fire, fire dancing. dancing and i got very into that what exactly is fire dancing is that like the hawaiian dancing with like the thing that you're flinging around or yeah what, what exactly is fire dancing there was some origination in hawaii there was some origination in um New Zealand, like poi specifically, huh. was um, evidently originated in New Zealand. And so, and there are so many tools, so many different types of fire dancing. Um, there's poi, which are like the balls that are attached to chain yeah. and handles. Yeah, yeah. There's fire eating, which is one of the mediums that I really got into. Um, and so that's just a, you know, a torch, you know, the Kevlar and that you dip into white gas and and then like I eat fire with that. Do you spit it out and stuff like that? Um, no, that's so that's fire breathing and that's oh. where you'll have somebody'll have like kerosene in their mouth. And yeah. um by the way, anybody that happens to listen to this, <laughs> learn from a professional. It's really dangerous <laughs> and very, very dangerous. Huh. Um, but but yeah, so that's fire breathing. Although I do do flame transfers. Like I will have flames coming out of my mouth, but I'm not spitting out any liquid. I'm not ever holding liquid in my mouth. The only thing I'm ever holding in my mouth is vapor. How? Okay, explain. Okay. The fire coming out of your mouth. Yeah. 
help me understand that better. So, because I'm like trying to picture this, and I'm like, I don't understand. I know I'll have to do it sometime <laughs> for you and Kim. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. So I will. So there's obviously vapors that are coming off, and there's a few from the white gas right okay so there's a few different ways to collect those vapors in my mouth because i have a hollow handle so i can pull in the vapors from the hollow handle that are connected to the you know fiery end of the um, torch and so i can pull the vapor through that or if i'm putting the fire um the torch that's on fire in my mouth and then pulling it back out, then I can hold the vapor in my mouth if I don't open my mouth up too wide. And then I can bring that flame back to my mouth and then light like light my mouth on fire. So then there'll be a flame that's coming out of my mouth. Seriously? Yeah. It doesn't get hot? Oh, it gets very hot. I've burnt my lips many a time. Although that's about like the worst that's happened. What's, what's the deal with that? Like, why? <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> you know what? That's actually a really good question. Uh, you know, looking onto it, I always thought like, oh, fire eating is really beautiful and it's super neat, but I don't necessarily want to do it. Yeah. Because it's just, yeah, kind of like, why would I want to put fire in my mouth? I don't have a good answer for you, but it was strangely addictive. Like really? I got weirdly addicted to it. Um, I loved doing it. There were a lot of different technical tricks that I could do. There was a lot of different dance flows. And for some reason it did just envelop me into this world of fire. And then really? there were introducing other people into it. Like I taught a number of people how to eat fire. I would partner f eat fire together. So we would like transfer, you know, flames from back and forth, you know, either from our mouths or from different parts of our body. And so there was so much like playfulness and fun in it also, as well as like the deep reverence for, working with this really intense and quintessentially destructive element. Yeah. So, would, um, would knowing that if shit went, went wrong, uh -huh. uh, was that an element to it? Like, yeah. Exciting. Like the exciting part. Cause if, if there's no skin in the game, it wouldn't be exciting. Cause you know, if, you I, could... if I didn't, if I didn't feel like I could die, would it still be as fun? Yeah. If there wasn't, is, is it as much a risk? Good question. Cause it's I wonder how much the, uh, the adrenaline, I mean, there's gotta be adrenaline having fire in your mouth <laughs> well the first times for sure at this point it's so natural for me really? to like harness this element and while it's still it's also still very exciting i still get a thrill of sorts of but i'm it's more of like i'm so enchanted by the flame like the flame in and of itself enchants me and being in that heat like feeling that heat enchants me um but psychologically having that kind of danger acts aspect it may very well play a role in the kind of addictive nature of it yeah yeah because i'm like thinking i'm like i wonder if if they're like attracted to the risks or the hazards associated with it. I think some people for sure are. When I started yeah. a fire troop in Boise, um, I was really wanting to have connectivity and harmony with the group so that we could do some kind of collaborative synchronized dancing and mm -hmm. use our tools together. And some of the other people were like, well, I just want to do cool shit on fire. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I get that. Cause there's a lot of cool stuff you can do on fire, but um, but I really want to like have synergy here and I want us to feel really connected huh. and I want us to have chemistry so that we can dance together in really beautiful ways. Um, so, so are they, are you like legitimately dancing? 
Yeah, to- oh, totally. Depends on the tool, but yeah. Like what kind of music are you dancing to? Oh, that's a good question. I personally love glass animals to dance to anything. But I would say the things that kind of light my fire, <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> uh, glass animals, beats antique, depending on the tool. Um, if I'm doing poi, then beats antique is one of my favorites. Um, Could you do it to like the Foo Fighters? You can do it to anything. Yeah. I mean, mm. in, you know, with fire, I mean, like incubus, I've eaten fire <laughs> I, to I love incubus. Same. Yeah. I've eaten fire to incubus. I've eaten fire to... Um, anaconda my anaconda don't oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know we've we've had a lot of fun um but as far as kind of getting into like a more embodied dance groove that's not so much on the playful side like some incubus songs alina baraz glass animals Great balls of beats fire. and tea <laughs> right <laughs> how, how have i never spun fire to that song i have no idea Next but i obviously do, that, need do send me a video i will 100 percent, 100 percent. so and then because back in high school you didn't do the henna tattoos or the tattoo anything yeah like how did you because my dad was telling me you're doing some ornament stuff the other day at their mm-hmm. house and he's like this shit's legit oh and uh he's like wants me to like come over and look at it <laughs> oh and stuff. My God. but he's like it's very like it's legit Aww. like so you're an artist yes how how'd you that late you know you're 20 something and then you figured out i can doodle or i can do <laughs> i can kind of i can art- i yeah, can artist i can artist <laughs> i'm the artist um yeah i mean it was like that i just really? was like i want i was like ooh, i like henna it's really beautiful i want to do henna and henna is a uh, for, explain what henna is henna is an herb um found in india or egypt and mm-hmm. places like that um and it is mixed with some other things to create a paste and then the paste is drawn onto your skin and then that stains your skin for a temporary tattoo it's um, and it's traditionally used in like wedding ceremonies in india really um or like blessing ways and it's, it's very ceremonial get art can you make it look like a tattoo like color, oh totally like all the colors um no, okay no yes and no if you're getting into colors, you're getting into like um, chemicals and stuff. Typically, there are some colors that you can manipulate naturally and still mm-hmm. have it like organic and stuff. But if you're getting into colors, it's a lot of times chemicals, and that's I don't mess with the chemicals. I keep it organic you, and natural. What do you apply it with? It's a little foil cone that's kind of like in the shape of a um, when you ice a cake. I was gonna say, what is like an icing thing? Yeah, totally. Just a really small. And it hole. just stains your skin. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to let – I'll tell you what. You can give me an elk henna That's tattoo. great. Or an elk tattoo. Have you ever wanted an elk tattoo? I've I've, I've always wanted – and uh, I'm going to describe this and everybody's going to be like, you're, dude, you're a dumbass. Uh, <laughs> I wanted I, – back when I was uh, really getting into elk, back when I was like really getting into it, um, towards the beginning, I wanted to get this big skull – and then, um, so on, on, the, on the back where the elk skull was kind of going down my spine, the middle of it, and then the eyeballs would be on either side of my spine. Yeah. And then the, the rack would um, start about right below my shoulder blades, and uh-huh. then it would wrap around my shoulders and come out to about my chest. Yeah. And then have like the t- some of the tines go down my arm a little bit. That's awesome. Your, your each arm. Totally. I, I wanted that tattoo forever. Don't Not have so the much. balls to do it. That's a big tattoo. Oh. That's a huge tattoo. Well, it is. Um, but One I, of these I days mind, I might do like, 
I wouldn't mind like something a little bit bigger than that. Okay. You know, yeah. I don't know if that's doable. My cell phone, I'm point, I'm, I'm showing her my cell phone. <laughs> Podcasting, you know, people can't see anything. I'm, not, I'm like a very visual person. So, you know, or maybe something the size of a football that I can cover up. Like, sure. so, cause I have to work and stuff. Yeah. But well, maybe one of these days I can do it henna so you can get an idea of what it would look like. Yeah. So I could actually see what you're going to do prior yes. to you doing it. And it'll look really similar on my skin. Yeah. That's interesting. And how long does it last? It just lasts like a couple weeks. That's it? Yeah. Oh, I got to do this. Yeah. I'd do a big one then. I've had I've had a few <laughs> people have me test out what it's going to look like because they were wanting to get a tattoo. Like when I got this tattoo, I hennaed this arm. Did you design that? Yes. Really? Yeah. That's really cool. It's just like a snake with, I don't even know how to describe There's it. There's various symbols and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, needless huh. to say, yeah, you can, it's a great tool. We should do that. Totally. Uh, since you came on the podcast, I'll let you design an elk hunting tattoo. Sounds great. I would can, love to. Yeah. How much would that, how much would a, would a big henna run? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I've done mostly a lot of trade and stuff. I've just kind oh, of really? like traded or so much of it has just been my friends that I'm just hanging out with. I'm like, yeah. Hey, let me art on you. I want to, <laughs> I, I love it. It's my favorite medium of oh, art. Really? So I love I to just, just do it. it with a couple packages of elk or something. Ugh, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say no. Uh, that's really cool. So you got into the henna stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't want to offend because no. I don't, I, I, my lack of language, uh, but it sounds like, very hippie-ish okay or gypsy-ish sure stuff is that offensive is that are those bad like terms like what you would call a trophy hunter that's in my opinion that's bad that's not a good term um for me it's not offensive I, it, I think it differs from person to person really i don't feel offended by that i feel like that's kind of the crowd you got into well yeah okay I think that that like on many humans would look on to would, kind of the people that, assume I that spend time with and call us right. What would be the general consensus towards hunting and and meat towards your output and and my output right now? Um, in the communities that I'm a part of, yeah. Are you an outlier uh, with your mindset on hunting and meat? I and... I would say that. Ooh, that's a good question. I would say generally I have found a lot of people in the communities that I'm in that do feel similarly, especially about hunting. Like I would say most people that I've had a conversation with this about, um, once I started finding my truth and talking about it, a lot of people shared values with me. Um, I, as far as like the meat industry is concerned, a lot of people that I know and spend time with are like won't buy processed meat but they're okay with hunting yeah and organic or, meat basically organic yeah like a lot of them will like know the farm that it's coming from or things like Grass that fed. but then there's still also plenty of people that i know that do eat processed meat so it's i mean it's kind of a mixed bag okay um, and then there's plenty of people that i know that eat vegan diets mm -hmm. I, I i'll tell you who it was afterwards i i uh saw a facebook post and somebody approached me about this and hey look at what so-and-so is writing on facebook and it was really anti everything I'm about. I'm like, man, like where did they vary? Because they weren't like that in high school. And uh, and so I reached out, sent them a private message and said, hey, you know, I see that you're asking questions on Facebook regarding trophy hunting and hunting and meat and all that stuff. I'm like, if those are serious questions, I've done all that stuff. I've done the stuff, the Africa stuff. I've done that. And I'm like, I'd be happy to have a great conversation with you. Like. I'll answer questions. I'll ask questions to you. 
you know, it'll be, you know, I, I want to help you. Yeah. And uh, the reply was <laughs> not very nice. Uh, but it's just really weird because I'm always wondering, I'm like, is that the natural order of things? Like, is that the natural consensus for for folks in those kind of circles? Um, like with your, what should, well, how do I refer to them without being a dick? Oh, I don't I'd say know. hippies. Sure. You can call your, them your circles. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, I just felt like maybe like what I do is a, is a natural consensus that they're, they would automatically be against it. Um, like I feel like what, a, it being hunting. Oh, hunting. Yeah. No, I would say most people I know really? personally that I'm like friends with have very similar values that, really? when it in line with hunting that I do. Yeah. That's crazy. Cause I always, always, always would have thought like folks that were more in tune with that kind of stuff would mm-hmm. be like, dude, what are you doing? Like you're a piece of crap or, or, um, but I could, I also see that a lot of them being vegans too. Yeah. And I, and that's just a really, that's probably an unfair assumption on my end. Yeah. I mean, I actually, you know? I, I, if I were to try to like pr- ratio it out, I, out of kind of the, um, compartments i would say i know like the least amount of vegans really like there i don't i'm not friends or close friends with that many people that consider themselves like yeah vegan or vegan diet it seems here's another uh thing is and i see it all the time on instagram seems like vegans are typically the most uh, shut off and opinionated and uh, verbally aggressive out of all the ones towards hunting at least, or especially towards meat, but hunting, like, is that your experience? Cause I've never been around vegans per se, mm-hmm. but like the ones that have vegan in their name on Instagram, like mm-hmm. such and such vegan or their cat, their, their, their cats are vegan, <laughs> <laughs> which is, I won't even get into that. Yeah, one. It's another um, podcast. Do you, do you find that to be common with, with your vegan friends or is that just a, a small percentage of vegans because my perception of vegans are like they're fucking crazy hate sure. hunters yeah. but i that's not really fair to just broad stroke a whole demographic i guess yeah um so i would say with the people that i personally know nobody comes to mind that is that aggressive hmm. also though i it's kind of like acquaintances or like friends of friends that i have hmm. absolutely experienced what you're talking about with oh really or and i've seen a lot of that um you know in general especially on the internet of where oh, yeah. somebody that considers themselves vegan uh, they also are simultaneously um so aggressive and even borderline abusive in their words oh, to absolutely. people that aren't or or literally abusive in their words to, to you know to other people and and while it can be frustrating, I think the stance that I try to resort to, to the best of my ability with anybody, whether no matter what they're feeling so frustrated about, is that I try to just understand to, or, and not even fully understand, but just have empathy for them and think like, well, I get it. The animal, you know, animals are treated so horribly. The emissions that we're putting off from the industry is so sad, like I, or maybe they just, even if they're humanely killed, they're, you know, another being is being killed for our, mm-hmm. you know, um, food consumption. So I just try to put myself in the shoes of feeling so co- like connected to animals that that would feel absolutely atrocious because so much mm-hmm. of it feels atrocious anyway. I just, and so while I think that it's 
hate perpetuating hate and that energy is essentially just like it feels like it can be misguided i can simultaneously understand the anger that's linked with it because there is so much um unnecessary like trauma and killing and um just disturbing things that happen so i just try to understand Mm. that like it's rightful for them to be um angry it's just that yeah it's misplaced onto people and then makes other people feel judged and that's not going to make anybody feel like that's not bringing people together it's a wedge yeah it's definitely a wedge yeah. it's a, it's furthering segregation oh absolutely um one, and we one, see a lot of that in different ways of life one thing that i feel and maybe you can correct me on this is um the personification or the the, yeah, the, basically the personification of animals. So you have like Bambi. Uh-huh. You have uh, Balto. Or he's more of a wolf dog. Uh, but you, you, get, you get what I'm talking about. You, you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. we need the poo um, or piglet. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're, you're getting these animals and you're building uh, Lion King. There's a really good one. Yeah. Um, well, now it's not okay to kill a lion. There's a lot of science behind killing lions. There's a lot of benefits to it. It's really taboo for the guys that don't hunt and i can see very easily for the folks that don't hunt why they would be against it sure Um, absolutely i can't see um but so where where do you stand on that because i see um it seems like when you start talking about africa that is a hot button so where, where, where where would you be on that what exactly hunting in africa like the trophy hunting uh, the cecil the lion thing um i and it's okay to disagree don't personally that's not something that i in this present moment understand or yeah. would necessarily support mm-hmm. um and also i mean there aren't as many lions in the world as there are deer so I think that's part of it. If lions were, you know, as prevalent as deer are, and even deer are diminishing, but um, for other reasons. Especially in Oregon. Yeah. yeah, for, you know, for reasons that are more like people taking their fucking land. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> oh, you're Sorry. fine. Okay, um, <laughs> no, and, and, and I, I want to get your, like I said, I really want to get your, your, your mindset and your opinion on this because um, I think, I think your mindset and your, your view is is really common out there. And if you get in these echo chambers like I do, and, and this podcast is, I, the last thing I want this podcast is to be is an echo chamber where we just rally the troops, rally the base, you know, like a freaking Trump rally, you know, right. <laughs> it's just, it's just an echo chamber. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want is, is just to have people get fired up or excited about this and not go out and do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And so, and so hearing, hearing those kind of views, it's what we need to hear because now, now I understand, um, you know, where we need to come from, from an angle to maybe help those folks understand us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think fighting fire with fire isn't necessarily working. And so no. my approach personally is, and I'm God learning this cause I think you remember me being, um, probably pretty sassy <laughs> and you know we could use some other words but oh no. um sassy works sassy you know <laughs> and intense um and stubborn and and i'm trying to just 
even if I'm witnessing somebody hating something else and yeah. being judgmental, I'm trying my best to take a step back and not take that personally and also not make it my duty to make that person change. And because if I am f- matching that hate, then I am doing what I'm the fear feeding the fear eating the fear feeding the fear so it's again that's like similar perpetual cycle that I was talking about before of just it's like and there's a time and a place for anger anger can be very beneficial if we harness it in the right way Mm. and it's necessary you know especially to get shit done um but I think channeling it appropriately and not just like hating the hate Mm because that just is creating so much resistance well look at look at red versus blue right now I mean, there's such a wedge between the left and the right. And it's like, all they do is just shit on each other. Yeah. I know. And I just, I quit, I quit listening to talk radio. My dad still listens to talk radio. I know. Um, I quit listening to that months ago. And I just, cause I just would be pissed off all day. I'd be negative. Yeah. You know, quality of life is better with, I, I walk lighter. I don't care. You know, I, I'm a little way less knowledgeable on a lot of the issues politically. But again, after seeing, you know, and I'm probably going to rub some people the wrong way on this one. After seeing the way that it went for the Republicans, not this election, but the previous one, and then still seeing what didn't get done that I wanted to see implemented. Mm -hmm. It's like, it doesn't really matter who we. It's true. I mean, because you have guys. It's kind of all the same. Just, yeah, it's like different. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the, the, the left is more um, anti-hunting anti-guns all this stuff and then it seems like the right is more uh, guns hunting public land all that stuff but then you're starting to see some of these guys from what i hear um getting favors to very 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 rich businessmen and then they're taking those public lands and trying to sell them right and it's like well now there goes my team you know like yeah it's just uh, joe rogan call, calls it tribalism you know and totally i've gotten out of that and i just yeah. don't i don't care i just look at each person each issue and who do I who do I agree with the most, and where do my priorities sit? Because I'm not going to agree probably with anybody 100. percent Oh yeah, absolutely. So that's where your priorities come into play, you know. Definitely. So, but you know, so the things that I like that friend that I reached out who shall not be named, uh, and I know you, I know you know that. <laughs> um, it was not a good, and I was trying to be the good ambassador to hunting, you know, mm-hmm. extremely respectful, everything, and it just blew up, just. I mean, I can, I think I probably deleted the conversation because it was me sending that and then her sending that back. And sure. it was like oh, walking away from this. So, so you didn't even respond I didn't, again. I didn't well, even respond. Well, good for you for reaching out though. Yeah. I, you know, that's well, important for us to try to bridge those gaps and help us exactly. share perspectives. And especially when we are differing. Yeah. Like I today had a conversation, an uncomfortable conversation with somebody. My dad. Who, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that would not be surprising (laughs) somebody that I love so dearly and we you know got into there was some passion and some um we weren't seeing eye to eye yeah and guess what I felt like I could I grew today I'm gonna feel like I grow most days but I felt like I grew from being in this space of discomfort not understanding you know having tension Mm -hmm. 
and feeling triggers like my you know my heart starts to beat <laughs> yeah. faster my i can i'm feeling a little hotter i'm feeling a yeah. little frustrated and i feel like i learned because i yeah. was able to be in that space and neither of us were not neither of us attacked one another neither of us demeaned each other we sat there with respect and it sounds like another girl you're talking it to. wasn't it, it was wasn't not, a dude mm-hmm. did this. Wow. Yeah, it was a, very mature. Yeah, he's a, he's a very emotionally intelligent man. It, Is he? it was very oh. honoring too. Yeah. yeah. And and likewise. So we were just really honoring huh. each other in our kind of um it seems like around here that's pretty rare. Well, know. I mean he doesn't live here, but I'm oh, sure okay. you could find it here, I would imagine. But no, he's uh, I was gonna say. <laughs> um and so like and to kind of go back to, and that's why I'm asking you all these questions about yeah. your circles and stuff like this. And where do you sit on this? And, um, you know, cause for me, um, you know, conservation, you mentioned conservation earlier. So that would be a button for you for hunting for a good thing. Right. Yeah. Um, or the, uh, you know, killing keystone predators or something, something like that, mm-hmm. or, or, or very important animals. Um, and, and, and after being in Africa, I could tell you a story. And it was really, it's actually really crazy. I've, I never saw poverty until I saw Africa. Yeah. Uh, the, where, where we were at. And um, I was, you know, looking out the window going down the, and I've told this story before, so I'm sorry for the folks on the podcast, but um, driving down this, like, it had to be 30 or 40 miles on this gravel road out in the middle of the Namib- Namibian desert. And that, there's hills and stuff out there and stuff. I'm like thinking, where in the hell are all the animals? You know, and so we finally, I asked him, like, where's all the animals at? And he's like, well, w- once we hit this sign up here, then we'll start seeing animals. And it was like this like road, you know, 50 whatever million miles to this location, whatever, you know, the green, the big green sign. Um, once we hit that sign, I immediately saw two ostriches. I was like, sweet, two ostriches. I didn't know why ostriches are out in the desert. I thought they were in like grassland areas, like by rivers. And uh, I'm like, what's the deal with that sign? Why, is, you know, why are we starting to see animals? He's like, that's pretty close to my property boundary. And I'm like, okay. And he has a low fenced operation, which was really important to me going over there. Um, I didn't want a high fenced, you know, canned hunt. Right. And uh, I'm like, what's the deal here? What's going on? He's like, conservation versus not conservation. He's like, there's no hunting seasons. There's no, you go out and kill what you want. (laughs) I'm like, huh. And he's like, and the locals like meat. (laughs) I'm like, that is, that is exactly why we need hunting in Africa and we need, you know, my my money over in Africa and stuff like that, and I think I think if people could see that not only for themselves, but like hear stories like that, it would help. Yeah, it would help. And sure. Even with even with the the oh, the uh, I was listening to a podcast today where the Cecil lion, mm-hmm. um, that was I think probably like a fifty thousand dollar lion, and it traveled off of the sanctuary, right, and then came on to where they could kill it, mm-hmm. and. Whether the guy should have killed it or not, I don't know. I don't know enough about it, but I do know that that area, um, in that area, I believe, according to this podcast I listened to, um, they had because they were hunters were coming to pay to kill the lions. They um, couldn't lo- no longer kill them. Um, the area suffered greatly economically, and they still had to kill two hundred lions for conservation because there's too many of them. Okay, and all the ungulate population was almost gone. So the economy lost out on hundreds, you know, whatever the math is there. I mean, they just let these lions lay. No, there's no honor. There's no using the hide, using the meat, using any of it. They just 
it's a waste. Well, you know, it's yeah, just, I don't know. And I also don't know yeah. enough about what's going on in Africa to yeah. speak to it or yeah. to assume that I know I don't, yeah. I just, I feel like people have like, for me, I have no desire to kill a freaking I don't or a, or an elephant. I don't have any desire unless yeah. it was to feed a village. I really don't have any desire to do that. Mm-hmm. A giraffe, I could have while I was over there. I don't have any desire to do yeah. that. Um, you know, to me, it's it it wouldn't be. It just it just it doesn't. It's not how I. I don't know. It just doesn't appeal to me for whatever reason. If somebody wants to go do it, more power to them. As long as everything's used, you mm-hmm. know, I don't care. Um, but I just feel there's a lot of uneducated opinions and on both sides too though because i feel like yeah. we assume just as much as the other side you know sure assumes and i think that's a problem with like everything and everything is that we're just <laughs> like probably all uneducated yeah you know we're educated we know about somebody, some things yeah. and we're uneducated about others and then there's all this room for assumption right. story perspective yeah. We're just like creating our own movies and expecting everybody to like be in our movie theater. <laughs> that's and that's unreasonable. <laughs> There's, you know, so, like seven or eight billion people. Well, uh, is there any closing thoughts? Let's wrap this thing up. So after coming full circle and everything, you, you went from being basically everything I'm anti to kind of coming around full circle to being more open to it. Um, is there anything that you want to add that maybe you hadn't been able to say or anything yet? Nothing exactly comes to mind. I think just the just wanting to put out there the desire for all of us to come together in more openness to each other's perspective in each other's experiences and understanding that we all grew up in such different ways and mm-hmm. um, just having a bit more openness and compassion for one another, I think is really important. Yeah. No, I want to expand on that because that was on my heart too because I used to be the guy, and, and you probably heard about this, where I we shot a buck one time. Kim was supposed to pick me up in the pickup. She fell asleep. And so I had my Celica, and we strap it to the back of my Celica. <laughs> <laughs> we drive through town, and I'm stopping because people are like, hey, stop, stop, stop. Take a picture. And uh, I must have had you know, close to a dozen people wanting to take a picture of the Celica as it went by. And... um you know, to me, that was like, you know, screw anybody that doesn't like that, you know, like F off. You don't, you know, screw you. I, I can do it. I'm legal, this and that. And I feel like that is the equivalent to the person with vegan in their name on Instagram telling you to, um, you know, that you're a piece of shit for doing that. Mm-hmm. Like those are, those are two extremes. Yeah. And even though that person is legal to tell you that you're a piece of shit, you don't like that. And even though that person over here is legal to do that with the deer and parade around town, that's legal. You know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be on the extremes as much. Yeah. And you know, if that pisses you off, having that vegan tell you that you're a piece of shit. And if you're doing that same thing to them, how is the problem going to get solved? Precisely. Like, just like you're saying, we need to kind of be a little bit more aware of both each other's sides and, and, And that's why I'm saying this this conversation to me is so valuable because I'm getting more information about other circles that I never I'm not gonna fucking ever learn you know learn about fire breathing unless it's through you you know like I would you never, never I didn't even know yeah I had no idea so this this conversation I'm so grateful that you came and Thanks for having I am me. if you do want to go hunting I will 
absolutely we will hook you up with a hunt or something like that next year yeah it'll be with you guys for sure yeah let's plan i mean let's tentatively plan for it next year if you want to get it done with a bow um we could do that we could do that uh i would almost suggest starting with a rifle or being open to it okay um not only because it would be easier but it would also um i get wanting to be connected with with the animal and everything might be too much of a connection that early. <laughs> totally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's all about shot placement. And I'd hate to see something go wrong. Not that That's you That's kind of what I was thinking about, too, is that, like, yeah, yeah if I hit it somewhere else, and yeah. then I'd be like, oh, this wounded him. <laughs> you know, we, we would get you to the point where you're shooting, you know, playing cards at 50. Like, we would, or 40. We would get you good, right? Good. And then you wouldn't shoot anything probably past 30. If, if you wanted to do it with a bow, I'll totally set you up. Great. We'll get you taken care Thanks. of. Thanks. I would suggest doing it with a gun to start off with. Okay. We'll definitely <laughs> talk more about that. But uh, all right. Well, thank you. And Rain Dancing Merch Child. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we didn't even get to go over that. <laughs> I was so wanting. And by the way, I'm probably going to name this episode Rain Dancing Merch Child. Oh my gosh. Sweet. If you want that? You okay. can do whatever you want. It's oh, your podcast. Well, no, I, I was going to ask, you know, if that was cool. Because, you know, I don't want people to know you as Rain Dancing Merch Child when you, when you, you know, you refer to to yourself as Freya. Rain Dancing Merch Child is totally <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> All right. That's the name of the episode, Rain Dancing Merch Child. And people are just like, what the hell are they I talking I know the about? people that you are, yeah, your demographic, <laughs> they'll be like, what exactly. happened here? So, all right. Well, thanks uh, for listening, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. Okay. Bye. All right, guys, that's this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Brittany, for coming on to the show. If you have a second, go ahead and leave a five-star review, and that's on iTunes. That gets you entered in giveaways if you leave a comment so I can see that you left it. If you don't leave a comment, I won't see that. Uh, If you want more content, go on to the YouTube channel. uh, Type in my name, Garrett Weaver. I'll pull right up. Um, we've got hundred over a hundred videos on there for bow hunters that want to learn, grow, or or up their game with the tuning aspect. Or if you want to see what the new bows are putting out for speeds, how they shoot, draw cycles, and stuff like that. I'm shooting most of the new bows right now and coming out with bow reviews, which people are really eating up. They love that I'm using those heavier arrows and uh, giving real world results with each bow. So if you want more content, you can go on there. You can go on to the Instagram on point with Garrett Weaver. And uh, as always, if you can go on to the website do me a huge solid buy a hat you know support the podcast help it grow that helps buy uh you know more gear more more mics more nicer equipment to make the 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 listening um higher quality for you guys so that money goes directly back into the podcast to help me uh get to more people and help more people so uh if you can go do that onpointpodcast.com www.onpointpodcast.com Go buy hat, um, leather patch hats right now. I think if you type in free shipping, you'll get free shipping. I think 22 bucks to your door. So uh, that's not a bad deal. And I uh, really look forward to seeing um, some people walking around with on-point hats. I've already seen a couple. So it's pretty cool seeing those things out there. Appreciate everybody that supports the podcast so, um, so far and for those who plan on doing it. So as always, guys, I'll see you on the next one. Bye.